Welcome to the Fishbowl, the podcast where I record conversations about business, entrepreneurship, and other valuable topics. Fishbowl episode 10. Thanks for tuning into this one. It's going to be very interesting. We got Jordan Robarge, founder of Revival Chili, graduated fellow at Venture for America Pittsburgh, pro ultimate frisbee player, and fun fact, he hasn't cut his hair in three years. How are you doing today, Jordan? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Of course, man. I met Jordan about two weeks ago, and I literally just walked up to his food truck to try to pitch him to get my product, Tam Organic Tea, which I talk all the time about in this podcast into his uh, chili shop. Now, we're going to talk a lot about what his uh, chili food truck, Revival Chili, does, but his journey until that point throughout his life is just so fascinating, which we're going to delve right into. So, tell me about your background. Yeah, yeah. So, it all started at the beginning of college uh, when I was actually arrested during my first year of college. (laughs) Uh, Moving back a little bit more, I went to the University of Virginia. I was a systems engineer there and had a a really good time in their engineering school. Um, But I was arrested during my first year of college, uh, mainly for underage drinking. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but it came back to really impact me later, which is kind of why I got into Revival Chili. Um, Oh, for those that don't know, Revival Chili is a living entrepreneurship classroom that employs reentering citizens, uh, people that have spent time in jail. And then the goal is to actually train them to be entrepreneurs or and the best worker they could be by gaining those entrepreneurial skills. That's incredible how you mentioned how probably what the most traumatic event in your <laughs> life up until that point really changed your life and shaped it for the future. Um, you know, we all have those defining moments, those moments which we fear, which makes us extremely uncomfortable, yeah. which haunt us. But nonetheless, that can mean such a big change, uh, especially for someone like yourself, Jordan. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely a very interesting first sentence I gave. I don't know if that was the right timing, but we'll go with it. Let's um, go with it. <laughs> so then that really just impacted kind of uh, – it, it did not impact me at the time, but when I was graduating college, it actually prevented me from getting the jobs that all of my engineering colleagues were applying for. Uh, I applied for all the same ones. They were consulting gigs generally in Washington, D.C. I will get to the final round and just – not get accepted like they it seemed like they were really excited they were like great you know we think you did really well we'll we'll get back to you in a few days and then i'll get a call and sometimes they would say you know we ran a background check sometimes they wouldn't let me know why but it it was always a similar reason you know we we found a conviction on your record uh and therefore we're not going to offer you a job um so luckily the journey in between my first and fourth year of college had made me realize how interested I was in entrepreneurship. Uh, My first internship was at a company called Newport News Shipbuilding. They build all the aircraft carriers and nuclear submarines for the Navy. So that was a phenomenal experience, but they didn't really give me anything to do when I was there. So I created a project for myself and was an entrepreneur of sorts. I pitched it to my boss. He was like, hell yeah, love this. Go ahead and do it. Uh, and so what project specifically was it that you pitched? So when I was during my first week there, I noticed that they were super inefficient in their processes. So the department I was in was literally any change that came into like the aircraft, like out of the initial plan, if they're going to change the initial plan, it had to come to our department and we had to check against every other department. So like electrical, who has the walls, who's doing the ceiling, who's doing the pipes and see how that change would affect everyone else. And we had to make sure that it was like that the change was scoped the right way. So you would spend literally eight hours going through databases, like drawing different worksheets out from on into Excel. And it literally took anywhere from six to like 12 hours to deal with one change because it's all doing manually. So I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen these people do. Mm-hmm. So my pitch was to create a uh, Excel document in VBA. So that's the coding language, the back end coding language of Excel, Visual Basic, uh, and to create a document that you could select from a drop down list, the change you were working on. It pulls in all the data and then it analyzes the data for you. So it literally cut down six to 12 hours to like five to 10 minutes. 
did they respond to that? Uh good i mean obviously the boss let me do it and it was a lot of fun because i hadn't coded in vfa vba before uh and it was a lot it was a really good experience but the problem was i left at the end of the summer so <laughs> I, I mean two weeks before i left i ran a meeting with my full department that i got to run and like tell them how to use the thing made like a slideshow about how to do it and then i started you know they would slack message well they didn't have slack yet they would message me on their chat system if they had a question i would like come over to their cubicle and help them out and so it started getting integrated that way but then i left and there was no one to kind of keep it updated or kind of keep making people use it so i definitely like fell to the wayside because uh, i stayed in touch with a few of the people there but uh i mean it was a phenomenal experience and I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was at the time, but I realized in my next year of college I was being an entrepreneur while I was there. Uh, and it definitely like shaped what I wanted to do next. Um, so again, I, I kind of realized what entrepreneurship was during my next year of college, and then I ended up working for a two-person startup company during my between my third and fourth year uh, in Washington, D.C. They did... Well, what business was that called? It was called uh, Gray Street Solutions. Uh, I think... I think they're still around and they still are like generally two people. They sometimes pick up like a third person, uh, generally an intern, uh, and they do digital media consulting to an extent. So they build websites, they help different companies with their Google AdWords and Google Analytics and, you know, analyze what's happening for the, their website traffic and that sort of thing and then help them create content and, you know, plans to move forward. Very cool. Uh, so they were really a lot of fun to work with. Uh, and that is definitely what made me realize, like, entrepreneurship is where I need to be. You know, you have a lot more autonomy. Like, they would just give me an idea of what I needed to do, and I had to go figure out how to do it, which is something I just love doing. How was it like creating content uh, just for our viewers and for myself to know in that sort of environment, that sort of business? You're taking in all this analysis from Google Analytics, uh, seeing how people go through the website pages. How do you create a good say ad or a marketing you know plan for that yeah so i was i wasn't in charge of like the marketing plans or uh one of the guys on the team he knew you know photoshop and illustrator so that was kind of his thing i was in charge of it more or less like creating the ads and getting like their whole ad campaign set up and seeing the best way to do that so it's a lot of keyword research <laughs> so you can uh analyze you know what keywords are they using uh versus their competitors what are they what are the differences there and what draws the most crowd so google google adwords can allow you to you can get all the data from a keyword you know how many searches are done using it uh is it a direct keyword search or is it like a broader search so they take terms that are also associated with that term different stuff so that's a lot of what i focused on and then you're very restricted with characters and google ads um so you know what is the most how do you get the most dynamic ads by using drawing uh, a, a intentional words instead of just saying like you know this is the best <laughs> or yeah. whatever it is so that's a lot of the stuff that i i kind of worked on fascinating uh, it takes a very uh, intuitive mind in order to do work like that. So I definitely commend you on your wide range of experiences on that. What happened next? So then I, as I mentioned earlier, was graduating and applying to all the same jobs that my colleagues were and not getting any job offers. And it was uh, not a good experience at How the time. How was that like for you emotionally <laughs> and such? Um, it was, I mean, it was a little difficult because that's just... I don't know. I didn't really know what I wanted to do still. Uh, and I saw all my, all my friends and stuff were getting job offers and, you know, getting excited. And this was in the first two months of our fourth year. So they didn't have to worry about anything else. They're like, fuck it. I don't care. I got a job offer. Like, I'm good to go. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, and I didn't get one in September, October. And all my friends were and I was like, man, like, this is rough. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And I was walking around a career fair at the University of Virginia and saw, saw this sign that was like, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Like, do you want to work for yourself? And I was like, uh, yeah, I want to do that. And it turned out it was called this uh, company called Venture for America, which is similar to Teach for America, but it's for like aspiring entrepreneurs, the people that want to work at startups. They take recent grads and they match make them with startups around the country, uh, specifically in cities that need help with their startup communities. So Detroit, New Orleans, Baltimore are like, 
key cities, some of the first cities that VFA went into, uh, and they're not going into, you know, D.C., San Francisco, uh, New York City. Uh, they, they went into Denver, for example, for a year or two and realized Denver is way too far along in their startup communities, and now they're not placing any fellows there anymore, like different things like that. And it was, I mean, it was a phenomenal I, I'm so thankful that I found them. Uh, even my company, Revival Chili, now wouldn't be here today if I was not in Venture for America. They have helped in so many ways, and it's it was it's been an awesome experience so far. That um, honestly sounds <laughs> so incredible. You're telling me a little bit about the selection process uh, to be, you know, in essence, worthy of being placed at uh, one of these startup businesses and. It was quite the process, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So starts out similar. You know, you got an online application, you know, a phone call, like normal stuff like that. But uh, then the final round is called Selection Day. And they put you in teams of five or six uh, people never met before, you know, all similar age. And they just have you solve problems. And they want to see, you know, how you interact with a team. Are you able to, you know, take leadership roles where you can or, like, take, uh, you know, a, just a working role and something that you might not be as knowledgeable about like different stuff and analyze you and all this these different criteria that you obviously have no idea what's going on and what they're analyzing you um one i can't dive into it too much because that's like a huge thing that they say if you understood people find out what's happening there and the exact problems and they're not going to be able to uh they're going to have kind of cheat uh in a sense but uh, it was it was a crazy experience, and then you after you get in, you go to training camp for five weeks, which is one of the best like five weeks set of five weeks of my life. I mean, the fellows adventure that they that they find adventure for America are some of the most passionate, smartest, like driven and socially minded people I've ever met in my entire life. Like all these people are probably going on to do great things. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year alone. Uh, I think two or three of them were in Forbes 30 under 30. Wow. Uh, one of one of the companies that's been started was on Time Magazine's top 25 inventions of like 2016 or something like that. That's it's incredible. Just, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous what what these fellows are doing. Um, and so it's a two year fellowship program, and you're not you're not hired by VFA. You're hired by the company that they place you at, and that's who pays you and everything. Um, so they are like definitely like a matchmaker. Um, and again, and the guy who founded VFA is going to be running for president in 2020. Who is that? <laughs> His name's Andrew Yang, and he is running on a platform of universal basic income. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Which, yeah, he also just released a book a couple months ago, um, which I'm blanking on the name right now. Oh, it's uh, it's called The War on Normal People, and it is. It's phenomenal. I would highly recommend reading it. You already just, read it? I have read parts of it, but I actually don't have time, a lot of time for reading right now. But uh, it dives into it dives into like the problems with the current economy and how he believes that like automation is just going to take over everything, more or less, and just the loss of jobs that will come from that. Um, like, there's a stat in there that stood out to me the most. It was something along the lines of like 46 percent of people in the United States. Couldn't would not be able to handle a five hundred dollar like random expense that they had, like they they're not in a financial situation where they could handle anything like that, which is just mind blowing. I mean, forty that's like almost half of the population. Yeah. That you know, if they got into a car accident and even had to just pay their deductible of five hundred dollars, that that would like set them back financially. So highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'll just search that as you were talking about it. I'll probably definitely pick that up. Seems very fascinating. So a talented group of individuals that you were around, how did that help you? Um, in essence, I many people hear the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. How did that shape you to become, in essence, the person you are now? Because I felt like I probably shouldn't be there. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't know how I got into VFA, if I would be honest. Like... I think I had good experience leading up to it. But when I was at training camp, I was like, holy shit, like all these people are definitely way smarter than me. And like, <laughs> like some of the things that they'd done, like they'd already started companies or they had already, um, you know, were the president of their class or, or different things that I was just, you know, I was just playing Frisbee in college and like yeah. hanging out at my fraternity. I mean, I had cool internships, but I wasn't like going above and beyond and 
in a lot of ways that a lot of these other people were doing. Um, so just kind of seeing, you know, what they had already achieved so far and what some of the older fellows, the classes above me, like, for example, the, the guy that was made the top 25 uh, inventions for Time magazine, he was three years older than me. Like, why can't I do something like that? Um, and just seeing, like, what they were already able to achieve really wanted made me want to step my game up and try and achieve more. So That's fantastic. That's yeah, incredible. so then I was placed at uh, Thrill Mill. That's how I ended up in Pittsburgh. Uh, they were previously called Thrill Mill, now called Ascender. They run Thrival Innovation and Music Festival. Uh, and I had I had a good experience there in a lot of ways, and it was also a bad experience in some ways, but it definitely, like, even all the bad things, like, helped me learn a lot. Um, some of the just the quick, brief things I did while I was there, I natively coded... Uh, app for Thrival Innovation and Music Festival, both on iOS and Android, which was a phenomenal experience. That's incredible. I, <laughs> is that still what they use? It's not what they use. Nah. So I ended up getting fired <laughs> right after I completed it <laughs> because they just thought like they could take all the code and like I don't do something. Or I think that they thought they could take the code and do something with it. I don't know what their plans were. Um, but I didn't comment the code at all because... I don't know. I was the only one doing it, and I was like, oh, "I don't need to comment this code. Like, I understand what's happening." So they had Meaning to explaining your yeah, assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explaining like explaining what exactly is happening in the code. So like, uh, normally, if you're coding within a team, you might have like a short two sentences before a a method or a function that does like, for example, count from one to a hundred. You might say this is counting from one to a hundred because. You know, I whatever, <laughs> for whatever reason. But I didn't do anything like that at all. So they had to end up, like, throwing it all away. Um, and then they got another company to do it. And the, that company did a worse job than I did personally. So they ended up not having an app. Oh, jeez. Uh, and that was in 2016 when I parted ways with them. Um, so it was just a funny, funny anecdote. I also started a brand ambassador program for Thrival, and we found 20 different brand ambassadors at eight different colleges in the Pittsburgh area to start raising awareness about Thrival at colleges uh, because that was a huge market that we missed out on. Uh, in 2015, we had people like Panic at the Disco, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, who was previously um, a part of – who was he a part of? They did, they did a song called Dark Blue. I don't remember. Anyways. <laughs> no problem. Anyways, like, people that, I mean, I was that age, and I grew up listening to, like, Panic of the Disco and Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, and so we did, but, like, half the college kid, or, like, I don't know, 90% of kids in the colleges, even at the University of Pittsburgh, didn't even know what Thrival was. So it's great a brand ambassador program to help start that, uh, start gaining awareness in colleges, uh, and those were both, like, really good experiences. I had a great time um, doing that. But again, like they were kind of projects that I made up for myself. Um, no one like asked me to do them. I just thought they could be an added benefit to the festival as a whole. Uh, so again, like going back to like that entrepreneurship type thing. Um, and so while I was at Thrill Mill, I made a lot of awesome connections in the city of Pittsburgh, which then, when I parted ways, allowed me to start Revival Chili. Incredible. <laughs> so being an entrepreneur you really always had that bug to see what's missing and fill it. And throughout your life experience, you've also found these problems, these pain points, huge pain points within people's lives. You're able to empathize, sympathize with them based on your own experiences. Now you have Revival Chili uh, uh, organization, uh, food truck, which really does some incredible things. And I have tons of questions about Revival Chili. Um, so, how many uh, different, like, recipes do you guys have, for starters? <laughs> to start, we have four different recipes. Uh, the original recipe actually came from my fraternity in college. Uh, and when I got to Pittsburgh, I mean, actually, immediately when I graduated from college, I started catering events. Uh, friends, family, work, different things like that. So, the largest one I did, actually, was 150 people, and it was at training camp. Uh, I did three different types of chili. We had pasta rice, uh, roasted vegetables, and a salad. It was phenomenal. It was a great time. Uh, when I, and then when I started doing things in Pittsburgh and like I wanted to make it a healthier chili, so I sat down with a nutritionist, came up with a final recipe, and then added uh, 
the fourth vegan chili. So we have four different recipes, uh, spicy chicken, classic beef, spicy beef and pork, and vegan. Spicy beef and pork is very hot. I like to say it's an 8 or 9 out of 10. Wow. Uh, the spicy chicken is like a 5 out of 10, like a medium. Uh, the vegan and classic are not spicy at all. Um, so, and then it, for us, it's served over rice or cornbread, and you get to choose your toppings, cheese, sour cream, lime, cilantro, jalapeno, or tortilla chips. We also have, like, lettuce and tomato because we serve different things like chili burgers, chili burritos, chili dogs on the trailer. Uh, all phenomenal. The burger is actually, I think, the most underrated thing on the menu. It's one of my personal favorites. I'll definitely <laughs> have to try it. How often do you eat chili? Almost every day. <laughs> the thing I love about chili is it goes well with almost anything. Like... I may I just do crazy concoctions at home, and that's what enables me to eat it every day. So, for example, one of the things we did, which we're definitely going to have to start doing on the trailer sometime soon, is we did a cornbread waffle with chili and then, like, a fried egg on top, and it was unbelievable. Or something like a chili breakfast quesadilla. Uh, or we also – I've done things like chili pizza. So one of my favorite things when we're at an event with, like, a pizza truck is so I'll go over to them and I'm like, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit of this chili – Use it as the sauce for the pizza and then put whatever other toppings you want on it because, uh, you know, it's a tomato-based chili, and then it also has your meat and vegetables already in it, and it, it's phenomenal. So <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's the beauty in the, as the word you said, autonomy behind really being an entrepreneur. If you want to collaborate with people, you don't have to ask anyone. You just do it. Any idea that comes to mind is possible just because you're at the helm. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. So with my bottled tea business, I was recently at a fair, and there was a moonshine stand right next to me. <laughs> so I'm 20, but this whole weekend I was 21. All right, I was 21 <laughs> in technicality. If they asked, I was 21. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, so I was sampling their different, you know, teeny shots of moonshine, and eventually on the second day, I gave them, uh, you know, free bottles of Taoma. So they tried it. And then I see them mixing the Taoma with all these different flavors of moonshine that they make. And then they start bringing me, uh, you know, the Taoma I gave them and cups with different flavors of moonshine. And I, I try all these flavors and I'm like, wow, these people like really made some good blends here. So in <laughs> essence, uh, they're like, we need a partner. So they soon, said that to you. Yeah. Nice. So pretty soon there will be a twisted Taoma, so to speak. Or uh, maybe a turned Taomo, Taomo ice pick. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, decently, that'll be pretty cool. That'll be sold uh, by Blackbird Distillery, um, which is going to be really exciting. But that just kind of brought to mind the coolness, the, as you said, autonomy once again. Of, uh, just doing your own thing. You can do whatever you want without asking anyone. Yeah. You can make deals happen. Yeah. So, for example, at um, the... Mount Lebanon Arts Fest, which happens the second to last weekend in September. We're going to be there with Mac and Gold, and I've already started talking with their owner about making like a mac and cheese chili that they're going to serve off their truck because ideally we're going to be right next to each other and they can just like use our chili to serve a mac and cheese chili, which is phenomenal, by the way. Like every any time I'm with them, I go up and I'm just like, just give me your plain chili because I need to, I mean, just give me your plain mac and cheese because I need to put my chili on top of it. It's it's bomb. It's bomb. <laughs> Mac and Gold's sick. The owners are so nice. I yeah. tried to pitch them the tea um, like three weeks ago, and uh, they gave me a free thing of mac and cheese. It was, uh, it was a buffalo uh, chicken cheese. It was great. And uh, I'm really, you know, I would love to actually try that mac and uh, cheese chili. Sounds delicious. It is. And Tim, Tim is a really good guy. I love it. He, he was actually one of the original. Um, so this kind of goes back to my story a little bit. Uh, we initially had some difficulties <laughs> starting the food truck off. I initially had a partner that was supposed to do a lot of the build out of the trailer and help with the funding and all that stuff. Um, in the six months that I was working with them, the only main thing that happened was I trained five people and then didn't have a job for them because my partner wasn't really doing what, the, what they had told me they were going to do. Um, so I ended up, you know, not, I don't work with those, any of those five anymore, which is actually, uh, pretty sad for me. Um, so during those six months, nothing happened. And then during the next five months, I was able to raise the money in a crowdfunding campaign, uh, buy a trailer and get the trailer built out. 
Uh, and then the reason I'm going back to this is Tim was one of the first food trucks I ever just like went up and said, please tell me your secrets. <laughs> um, and he was actually a huge help uh, in getting started. And he gave me a lot of the contacts that uh, he had for different like uh, corporate lunches or people at office parks in and around the city that are in a food desert of sorts and love to have food trucks out, you know, one to two times a week uh, just so their employees can just come downstairs and get some dank food and then go straight back to work. That's incredible. Great guy. Now, you were speaking a little bit about some of the difficulties when you were initially starting. What are some of the other, like, interesting stories about difficulties or just funny stories in general that you may have um the biggest difficulty is who you know <laughs> which uh luckily enough i am an extrovert so i was more than happy like i don't know how many food trucks i just went up to when i was starting out with this idea uh and just asked for their help um because if i hadn't done that i would have had so many more struggles like a crazy amount more. I mean, I've talked with food truck owners here in Pittsburgh that didn't do that. And they just have so many like stories about how much they were struggling to like find a commissary, which is a commercial kitchen that you have to be partnered with um, as a food truck so that you have a place to like store and do prep and do wash and all do washing your dishes and all that stuff. Uh, so how much difficulty they had finding a commissary, finding out what permits you had to get, um, having someone to do the build out of the trailer at a reasonable price, like all of this stuff. And I was able to get past a lot of those obstacles just by going up to the food trucks and saying like, Hey, can I chat with you? Can I ask you a few questions? So I found out very quickly that there's really only one permit you need to get, which is the Allegheny County health department. Uh, through those connections, I was able to, uh, find a guy who does food truck build outs. Like that's, one of the main main his main sources of income mm -hmm. uh and he's a, he owns a food truck himself he's a phenomenal guy he charged me a fair price for doing literally everything the electric plumbing gas which normally like you're gonna have to find an individual person for all those things wow. uh and so i was able to get around the struggles of solving this problem of creating a food truck when i have never even worked in a restaurant or <laughs> or the <laughs> food industry just by going out and talking to people, just for asking for help. Um, and so that, and so that's one of the biggest problems I've found. I've even done, I've done like surveys in the past year where companies are trying to like solve the problem of like uh, health departments and that sort of thing. And how a lot of restaurants will do a lot of health code violations. And they were like, a lot of the people we've talked to really have had you know, struggles working with the health department. They think it's really difficult and don't enjoy their process. And I was like, I, I had a, I had a pretty good time doing that. <laughs> I was be, I was able to be connected to a specific commissary through the people that I know. That commissary was like, oh yeah, you just got to email this lady. She's super responsive. She'll be the one to do your health inspection. I emailed her and like set up something in, in a week afterwards, which like a lot of the struggles people hear, oh my God, they weren't replying to me. And it took me a two months to even get them to come out and do my inspection and, and things like that. And I was like, nope, I had a good experience. <laughs> that must be really nice. Yeah. And it was, it was definitely very lucky, uh, for me to find the right people. Um, when, when I was getting started, uh, it was definitely like circumstance and luck, but, uh, I think that's, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't try and go out to talk to as many people as I was able to. Absolutely. Tell me about the crowdfunding. <laughs> so that relates back to how i could not be here without venture for america uh luckily for me they have a crowdfunding competition for fellows that want to start companies it happens every year in the spring uh and they have like prizes associated with it so honestly uh in january of 2017 uh right this was right after the six months i had been initially working with my partner and i in january i decided to split off with them and i was really questioning whether i should even do this um i had been relying i had hopefully i had been planning on relying on my partner to you know help me through the way of getting this food truck started you know they they had a construction company that did build tiny houses and i was like i want my food truck to look like a tiny house this is perfect and just how much they had not come through for me had really like got me down, especially, you know, 
winter blues is always a thing as well. So it was the middle yeah. of winter, and I was like, oh, my God, like, should I even do this at all? Like, what am I going to do? And, you know, then I got the email that Venture for America is like, oh, reminder, we're doing our crowdfunding competition. And I was like, all right, this is going to be my last, my last shot. Like, I'm going to try this out to do the crowdfunding. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. And honestly, crowdfunding is like a full-time job. I mean, <laughs> if you want to do it well, it's a full-time job. Uh, you have to start planning months in advance. Uh, the biggest thing is having a great video that's, you know, short and concise, but also gets across your main points. Uh, you need to start, like, telling friends and family that leading up to it that it's going to start happening. You know, I sent out – I started sending out emails three weeks in advance to, like, my list of people that I had curated that I thought might be the most likely donors um, and different things like that. And so uh, we were able to raise uh, 14000 approximately $14,500 in the campaign, and then we did also about another 14000 outside the campaign. Um for some of the larger donors and the prizes, they were given outside the campaign because they didn't want uh, to incur the fees that are associated with crowdfunding. Um, and so with that $28,000 and some of the revenue I had also generated from the past couple of months uh, selling chili at like farmer's markets and stuff, I was able to find my tiny house style food truck, which uh, this is a whole nother thing. The last week of the crowdfunding, I was like dreading it. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to like use these people money, for, these people's money for something. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm gonna feel so guilty if I don't <laughs> like do the right thing." Mm-hmm. I googled used concession trailer. I clicked on the first three links. One of them took me to eBay, and like the promoted eBay post was this tiny house style food concession trailer. I mean, if you haven't, you've you've seen my trailer, but for the people that haven't. Google it. It literally looks like someone lives out of it. And I saw it within three hours. I'd put down a deposit and six days later I was driving to North Carolina to pick it up. Like it was meant to be (laughs) for sure. Uh, and that was super lucky. So I, uh, did you have any other specific questions about the crowdfunding or do you think I covered it? No, you covered it very, (laughs) very well. Um, obviously it was a different vehicle than like Kickstarter, right? Um, for, my business, there's something called Pie Shell. Have you heard of that? I haven't heard of Pie Shell. It's for food and beverage. Um, so all these, you know, really require tons of work being put into it. Um, but you really, uh, you know, went through uh, a lot of it really just kind of grinding on it. Right? Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing is you have to keep the people engaged. So in the crowdfunding competition um, for VFA, I was actually one of the top two. Uh <laughs> Another crazy thing, with 48 hours left, I was at $14,000 exactly, and the other guy was at $14,002 <laughs> with 48 hours left. And so I called him, and I was like, dude, we shouldn't get into a pissing match in this last 48 hours. Like, Let's just split the top two prizes. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And so that was good for everyone. But uh, one of the things he did in the middle of the campaign was he did like a – eight-hour Facebook Live event <laughs> where he just, like, was running on a treadmill because his thing was called Sweat Seal, and, you know, you put it on your armpit, and hopefully it makes you not sweat. Wow. Um, I, I haven't tried it. I don't sweat enough to try, <laughs> to try it. But he now, he then did a second, he ended up doing a second crowdfunding campaign for a shirt that does the same thing. Uh, but anyways, you know, he was able to just keep people engaged because not only was he doing the eight-hour Facebook Live event, but he was marketing the Facebook Live event, you know, three hours or three days before so it created like a whole segment of days that he was able to you know keep putting out content and keeping you know people that were following along keep them involved uh because the vast vast majority of come of donations come in the first three days and in the last three days um so keeping them involved and just keeping on their mind in the middle for those that didn't donate in the first three days makes them much more likely to donate in the last three days uh, something that we did was we had a match campaign. So for one of our larger donors, um, we actually had two match campaigns. For one of the larger donors, I ran it. So I was like, all donations made in the next four, 72 hours are going to be matched by this donor. And then the second match campaign was actually run by the other donor. I didn't even know they were going to do it. It was like the best surprise ever. Yeah. <laughs> that they just, because I'm on their like emailing list. Um, they're called Drive Change. They're a phenomenal company. They're based out of New York City. They're kind of like what we are based off of, actually. 
Uh, and they just sent out a blast email to their whole list and were like, we're going to be matching donations to the Revival Chili's Indiegogo campaign for the next seven, like 48 hours up to a certain amount. Uh, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, this is the best thing ever. So it was, uh, we had a lot of good like partners that really helped us succeed in the Indiegogo campaign as well. Wow. That's quite the journey. <laughs> That's something, you know, rarely people even go for, especially uh, even if you're an entrepreneur. But to come out the other side successful and being able to cover, you know, your food truck and then some, that's just incredible. Uh, so that really got you some really good legs. What sort of gifts did you give away for donors? Um, so that was a really hard thing uh, with a food business. So the main things are like T-shirts and hats, which are cool. But, uh, I mean, it's much easier to do like a Kickstarter, Indiegogo, when you have like a tech object. Um or like an actual product that you can ship to them. So it was mainly hats and t-shirts. And then we also did like free bowls of chili, a certain amount of free bowls. But again, like if you're not in Pittsburgh, you're very unlikely to use those free bowls. Um, the other thing was, which we didn't get any of these, but if someone had donated like 10 grand, I would have gotten like a tattoo for them or something, and then their name would have been on the trailer, like different things like that. But nobody did that. Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's much easier with a product to do this. Uh, and I, as I said, like if it wasn't for the VFA competition, I think we would have done a lot worse. So that was really fortunate as well. Um, and then you know I went and picked up the trailer. Month after I picked up the trailer, it was built out, and we had our first event, and we were off to the races. Uh, which wow. has been, it's been a, uh, we've been around for a year and three months now. So we, our first day that we sold chili was on May 5th, 2017. Um, and we've just been moving along ever since. I mean, people, there've been a lot, a lot of positive feedback. I'll be the first to say our chili is not for everyone. Um, especially, and you should know this. I don't know if you do yet, but some people don't like cinnamon. <laughs> oh, I know this. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, because I know you have cinnamon in your tea. We we put a little bit of cinnamon in the chili. That's it's one of the more prominent flavors, and so it's a lot thing a lot of people guess. Some people are even allergic to it, which I did not know. Yeah. Um, so it's not for everyone, but it is a fantastic chili, and for that reason, many people will tell us that it is the best chili they've ever had in their lives, uh, which is just. An, an amazing feeling and experience. I mean, we went to a food truck festival in March of this year. It was the indoor food truck festival at the Monroeville Convention Center. We had multiple people come up and say, I came to this event because you were going to be here, which was, like, mind-blowing to me. I was like, what are you talking about? We've been around for nine months. Like, who who are we? Like, how do we get to this point? And it was uh, it was one of the, some of the best feelings. Incredible. Ever. One yeah. step after the other. Take it small steps, small steps. <laughs> so when you were crowdfunding, was it just you? Yeah, so uh, I'm a sole founder, which has had a lot of its own challenges, but that's why I say crowdfunding, you got to treat it like a full-time job if you're going to do it. I mean, every single day, uh, you got to be doing something. I mean, honestly, I wish I had had more time to prepare or had taken it just a little bit more seriously. Because I did, I mean, I took it very seriously, but there are different things that, like, outside of the box things you could think of. So, for example, you mentioned you're a part-time bartender. Um, if you could, let's say, tell the bar that you work at, you know, I want to bartend one night, and I want, you know, the people that I bartend with to say, to let everyone know, like, during this shift tonight, all tips are going to go to Tayama or something like that, and, like, half my paycheck or whatever it is, to, like, and create a whole event around that itself. You know, find a, a cool DJ or find a cool music act to come and like create a whole event around that itself especially like during the middle of your campaign exactly to keep the awareness going and keep the uh, donations coming in and that sort of thing or like going to a networking event every single day just to like meet people and say this is what i'm doing oh by the way i have a crowdfunding campaign running right now so like taking it very seriously and treating it like a full-time job is what you have to do to make it succeed incredible um, so you're a salesman for your crowdfunding campaign during the time you're crowdfunding. Yeah. I like that, man. You're making me think outside the box. <laughs> this is incredible. You it's know. difficult. You got It's like a serious thing. You can't just half-ass a crowdfunding campaign and expect to do well. It's a lot of money. What was your biggest donor? Um, 
So the biggest amount was one of the match campaigns, which was three thousand uh, dollars. But the prize, the Venture for America prize, uh, top prize was ten grand. The secondary prize was seven seventy five hundred. So we split it, and I think we each got nine grand, which was really awesome. That's a great deal, man. So a little bit of finagling with that, but you know. But I mean, I had to work to be in the top too like a lot of the other campaigns you could tell they didn't put in as much effort versus me and the other guy that won like this was our thing like we were spending uh, we were going to be full-time on this regardless of what well i might not have been full-time if i hadn't raised enough money but like if i had raised enough money like this was my full-time job like i was going to put my heart and soul into it uh, and he was the same way and i think that's why we were both able to be the top two that's always what it comes down to that desire you put and the amount of effort put into what you're trying to accomplish. So among this, it seems like you're very intuitive, um, you know, business-wise. Uh, are there any resources which has really helped you, say books or, you know, websites, Gary Vaynerchuk? I don't know. <laughs> um, Andrew Yang, I mentioned him earlier. Yes. Phenomenal guy. Uh, and then also just the, the connections that Venture for America has given me. So they have an entrepreneur in residence, for example, so I, I like talking to people more than reading things um, because, you know, uh, looking into stuff or listening to a podcast or reading it, you know, they talk about their experiences and you can try to relate it to yours, but actually talking with someone I find the most helpful. So, for example, the entrepreneur in residence at VFA has been a hugely uh, helpful mentor. Um, during the time that I was starting Revival Chili, I worked part time for another like digital media consulting company in Pittsburgh. And that guy sold his first company when he was like 26, 27. He's been super helpful. <laughs> like he's a huge supporter of Revival Chili and has been super helpful, giving a lot of advice. And I always, he's one of the people that I always go to to uh, ask about. Uh, his company is called The Guider Group. His name is Dwayne. He's phenomenal. Um, so that's kind of for me is finding these different mentors. Uh, Dan Bull, the guy at Zero Six Eight, he's been huge. So Zero Six Eight is an incubator here in Pittsburgh that. Uh, incubates companies that are started by ex-cons or want to hire him, hire them. Uh, he's been a helpful mentor along the way. Uh, different, just different people like that has more been what I enjoy. Uh, and then there's another guy. His name's Evan Siegel. He started a company in Pittsburgh. It's called Dormont Manufacturing, I think, something along those lines. And he ended up selling it for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. <laughs> and he's a huge VFA supporter. So again, like getting connections through him, and he's like come to me if you ever have any questions like i ran and grew this company over 20 years to then sell it for like millions and millions of dollars i would love to help give you an advice like different things like that it's kind of been what's the driving factor for me that's absolutely incredible so your big value proposition one of them is not only delicious chili uh some of the best that people have had in their lives but also the fact that you employ uh many of your employees are ex-convicts how do you go through the interviewing process with them? And then how's it like working with them? So, so far, we we don't really just take anyone. And so far, I really haven't even had to search for employees because of the different partners around the city that we work with. So the biggest draw for us uh, is from Community Kitchen. Great organization here in the city. They uh, train mainly reentering citizens, but not strict, restricting to them. Uh, but they train them in food handling and food manager like certification uh, and that sort of thing. And so they go through, they have an intense four-month-long four course um, that kind of preps them uh, and trains them so that they can have a skill to get a good job or at least a job in, a job in general. Uh, so they have been a huge partner for us. Uh, right now, actually, every one of our employees is coming through them. Uh, that's not the plan for the future, but we definitely still are going to continue to hire through them. Uh, there are other organizations, for example, uh, OVR, Occupational Vocational Rehabilitation. So they work with mainly with addicts, uh, or not addicts. They work with people with mental disabilities, uh, which addiction is a mental disability. So they therefore work with a lot of reentering citizens as well. So we have good relations with them, and we'll probably use them in the future. Uh, there are other organizations, for example, like uh, CHS, Community Housing Services, I think that's right. Uh, you know, I have good contacts there. So kind of like source from people that have a good idea about these connections already uh, versus just kind of trying to find them ourselves because we think that, or we believe that, you know, 
by working with these partners, we can get the best candidates that are going to be most suited for you know what we're what our goals are and what we're trying to accomplish. Incredible. So, you know, some of the people you work with. How, first off, how many uh, staff members do you have? I have one full time, one part time currently. Uh, I have have had like other few part-time people in the past that we want to continue working together in the future but it just wasn't the best thing for them at the time but i still stay in touch with them because when we grow and expand i want to be able to bring them back in since i already know how phenomenal workers they are um and that's the that's the other main reason i want to grow and expand so right now we're looking at uh getting a restaurant a brick and mortar so that's also somewhere we can base the food truck off of but uh just when it comes down to it like the food truck chant just can't create as many jobs as i would like that's incredible. So you're really catering to your staff uh, and, you know, the market for employers just as much as you are your consumer. And that's incredible to me. Do you have any projections of where uh, the brick and mortar may be situated at? Uh, right now we're looking mainly in Wilkinsburg. Uh, we've actually been look. We started looking almost a year ago now and just haven't found the right location yet. But we were looking all over the city mainly in the lower income, more diverse neighborhoods. Because, you know, anyone can start a restaurant in Oakland or downtown, and those are actually, in my opinion, a lot more likely to fail as well, versus I feel like our mission and the impact we want to have, not just our on our uh, customers and employees, but on the community that we're a part of, means a lot to the business. So being in one of the, a lower income, more diverse neighborhood, I feel like is where our mission can really speak to the people there. And then, uh, you know, we can create a three quarter house in that community, you know, hire directly from the community and, and start like building up that community as well. So Wilkinsburg, I think is a really good location right now. They have a lot of really interesting things going on. Uh, a few new, newer businesses that have base that are started and based there which are really driving the community forward uh but i also still think that there could be a lot that happens there and how and i think feel like we could have an impact within the community it's incredible so why is it that you think uh restaurants in nicer places uh have a higher aptitude or have a more common chance of failing well restaurants in general are the most failed business in the united states <laughs> i think it's something like 50 percent don't make it past the first year something along those lines um i so and then for that reason like downtown and oakland are just very crowded spaces so uh, one of the other food truck owners for example tried to start a restaurant in oakland in this past year and he's already failed um <laughs> different things like that <laughs> or like you know there are different restaurants always closing in the downtown area always it's almost always one at least one closing one opening uh, and so i think it's just those those are very crowded spaces so like for example one of the other locations we were looking at was mount oliver mount oliver has zero nice nicer sit down restaurants zero in the entire area the closest one is like in arlington and that's like a diner of sorts. So it's not even like a nicer one. <laughs> it's like things like that. Like the, that it's something that they need, uh, that they want, like to, and so people can stay within the community. So for example, like Allentown, which is right next to Mount Oliver, uh, Alla Familia, which is a super nice Italian restaurant, like has made a name for themselves and done extremely well in Allentown. Even though five, ten years ago, Allentown was run down as shit i mean there was a lot of drug dealing happening there like even their main business district was just like looks shady um but the restaurants have really helped bring it back so you got like a la familia you got onion maiden that's drawn attention citywide i mean i've talked with people that will literally travel 30 minutes just to get a meal at onion maiden like different things like that that have really helped drive uh drive the economy forward in like those lower income diverse neighborhoods that makes sense being in the food industry, I've heard it told in the past that you get a deeper sense of inherent satisfaction from being able to feed someone. How is that like day to day for you? I 100% agree. I mean, the main thing, one of the main reasons I started this is when I w was doing the catering, like just seeing the smile on someone's face was like awesome. <laughs> it was so just so uh, fulfilling to just know that you can make someone so happy by giving them the food that you're giving them. Um, so as I said, there are ups and downs. <laughs> Sometimes I'll get an email like, you just got a one-star Google review. And I'm <laughs> it's like, that sucks. like, God damn it. <laughs> and then, you know, there are the days that I'll get 
a five star Google review and someone saying this is the best thing ever. Um, and it's also like when, when we're at an event and we'll serve someone food and they will come back later just to tell us how much they enjoy the chili. It's just, it's, it's an unbeatable experience. Wow. What is your favorite quote and why? Um, my favorite quote is probably the one that is in my tattoo that I have, which is nothing's impossible for the willing. Um, I got that right when I got fired and was debating whether I wanted to start this company. Uh, and I just think it's been a really like driving factor. It's in Latin, by the way, just having nothing is possible for the willing tattooed would be lame, but it's in Latin. So that makes it cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I just love it because just thinking about it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's actually, that is what lands some of these people in jail right they weren't able to get a job so they had to find any way that they could to make help help their family survive and selling drugs was what they had to do they had to do something to you know help their family get through survive and for that reason like they're trying whatever they can and ended up in jail and it wasn't impossible to help their family survive but you know that's why they that's why they landed where they are and so those are the people that I want to shoot for i think they have like a lot of entrepreneurial skills. They were salesmen. They were marketers. They were managers dealing with people under them. They dealt with inventory, you know. So they have so many applicable skills. They just need to be shown how to do it in a legal way. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's what you're doing with Revival Chili. Yeah. And they're already willing to do whatever it takes. So we just got to show them the right steps, the small steps to, to get there. Awesome. Well, I love what you're doing. I think it's incredible, and I can't wait to see the revival <laughs> empire grow. Is there anything else else you'd like to add for the fishbowl audience? Uh, I think that mostly covers it. Uh, one of the things, so I did do a talk with a uh, entrepreneurship group uh, at one of the colleges in the area one time, and so I already touched on my two main takeaways from that talk. Which one of them was? It's about the people that you know, uh, and just getting out there and meeting the right people and sticking with them. And the other thing is uh, think wild thoughts. So you can find like there's a uh, talks online about uh specifically like saying think wild thoughts but to sum it down it's like dream big right you're never going to get anywhere unless you dream big so right now you know my dream is to be an international <laughs> enterprise company that is able to create a create a model of sustainability by developing employees from within and that's my biggest dream ever i want to be all across the world i want to be doing this everywhere um but even if you know we only make it to be national, that's still phenomenal. But we're never, you know, without dreaming big, we're never gonna be able to get where we where we we're never even gonna be able to move forward. Very good point. Thank you so much, Jordan, once again. It was an absolute pleasure, and thank you, Fishbowl audience, for listening. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. This was a great time.